Steve welcomes Dr. Don Welch to talk about the responsive marriage, followed by Josh Newell, who is from the Jesus film, and he's got an amazing development to share with us in a little over half an hour. I think it's going to be a fun hour together and glad that you're here with us. You know, we've heard that marriage has had a definition for a long time, but over the past number of years, we have seen people try and redefine what marriage is. And uh, Dr. Don Walsh, who is the founder of the Walsh Family Therapy Institute, uh, licensed marriage and family therapist, Don, you've said that the more we try and broaden the definition of marriage, the less we seem to esteem and value marriage to the point where we, we don't really seem to value it much anymore. Why do you think that? Well, we've, we've so gone against God's word in the area of uh, what a marriage means, and it was created by God and for God, and we're to honor God through it. It's one of the most beautiful places of any person's life in a marriage where we can co-create with God. He's given us this wonderful privilege to do so with Him. And we're, as the psalmist has said in 139, we are, He created us and knit us in the mother's womb. And so there's a beauty within the marriage that is being distorted in many different ways. So we need to go back to God's Word yep. and for His teachings uh, to have a happy life. We we all know in the Ten Commandments, even if someone doesn't believe in the Ten Commandments, that it's not good to steal and or to cheat. Uh, we all know that whether or not, not uh, we're Christian or not. And so we need to go back to some of the basics and understand how marriages work well and how God created, even from a biblical and scientifically based understanding. Well, you have uh, written about this in The Responsive Marriage. It is about finding the path out of reactivity. And uh, Don, as you work with families and as you work with couples in, in marriage relationships, I'm sure that you see a lot of couples fall into certain patterns. In fact, uh, reactivity, reacting being one of those things. Um, rather than, well, first of all, let's begin with uh, how you're defining the reactive marriage, and then we'll talk about something better in just a moment. So when you say the responsive or reactive uh, response, what are you talking about there? So responsive is where we are responding out of our normal temperament that we all have, that God has created, and even science uh, supports the fact that uh, our temperament, that's how we respond to the world. If I'm a little bit extroverted, I like to talk with people before I know what I want to say at times. Or if I'm more introverted, I want to go inside of myself and think about it before I express that. So what I have seen over the years, I can't believe I'm this old, but about 40 years, both as a pastor <laughs> professor, and, and also a clinician, is that there's this part of us that's out of awareness. We know scientifically, I define reactivity as involuntarily uncontrolled relationship impending behaviors that originate from the feeling part of our brain known as the limbic system. We've all heard of that. And because they originate from the feeling part of the brain rather than the thinking part of the brain, they are largely outside of our conscious awareness. And this, this is what makes reactivity so insidious. We're often not even aware that we are, say, rolling our eyes as I'm moving my hand. I'm not aware that mm -hmm. I'm saying, oh, I think I'm going to move my hand this way, <laughs> Steve. I, I just do that involuntarily. 
And there's ample research to show that if our limbic system is overtaking us or something from the past where we've been hurt, wounded, injured, it can find its way into the present interaction. Sort of like, uh, say, a couple, say they're married, and she looks at him and says, you just stop that. You remind me of your dad. You react just like your dad. And she may be reacting out of her involuntary remembrance of her own father, even, Hmm. or another man, if you will. So what we're wanting to do is to be able to make sure that we are able to become aware of our involuntary reactions that happen um, unconscious. How how do we do that? Because I'm thinking here, I'm just uh, playing the scenario out in my mind where you've got a married couple and she, to pick up on what you've just uh, laid out for us there, she's rolling her eyes or she's reacting in this way. And she's unaware because that's that involuntary reaction. Well, he's very aware. And the temptation is going to be to point that out in a, in a way that might not be useful. So if she's unaware and he's very aware, and that's going to let, lead them into a negative spin cycle there, how do you bring these things to awareness in such a way that it's not going to just turn into a really big argument? Yes. Uh, and awareness provides the opportunity to choose. And really, God gave us this great free will the ability to choose. He he shows that throughout the Bible. And so what we want to do is to help a person become aware of what's happening. Like, for example, maybe I interact with my own wife, my own precious wife, Robin, and I find myself, I'm getting tight chested up here. My voice is a little higher or I have more volume and I'm aware, ooh, I am now in a reactive mode and I need to manage that, de-escalate somehow, there, there are hundreds of books that talk about how to de-escalate, but part of it is to become aware. There's many people who write about this, Daniel Levinson, uh, Peter Levine. These are experts in the field about how the body functions. So it's really comparing the limbic system to the ability to manage it. And the, the Bible talks that about this, that to be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication. We know that scripture, I believe, in Philippians. And then it says, he will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm always fascinated. He could have inverted that. Paul could, mm-hmm. of course, it's the immutable word of God. And God said, well, we want to work on our emotion, likely, before we even think it. Um, yeah. And if, if I may just use a quick example it's in all the literature. Oh, go right ahead. Well, Sorry. I'm going to have you hold on to that example for just one moment, and we're going to come back to that in a minute, talking with uh, Dr. Don Walsh this, this morning about the responsive marriage, finding the path out of reactivity. And uh, we want to connect you with him, and so I encourage you to check, check out that book. Again, it is called The Responsive Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. A different spin on starting your day is Steve and Dawn in the morning on Moody Radio. And we're talking with Dr. Don Welch. He is an author, university professor, speaker, author of The Responsive Marriage. And Don, before I so rudely had to interrupt you, uh, we were talking about the involuntary reaction that people had. And you were, you were going to kind of set up an example for us. Can you take us there again? Yes, a great example real quickly is related to how uh, if we were to touch a hot stove in we would have an immediate reflex without knowing it. Our brain would not know it's hot initially. And so this is what happens to a lot of people 
in their relationship, they'll have a reaction without knowing. It's sort of like uh, William James, who's the pioneer of psychology, once said in 1898 that I cry, therefore I know I'm sad, or I laugh and I realize I'm happy. So we're wanting in this book, we're wanting, Steve, to work on the reactivity that we have, because I really define intimacy this as a close relationship that does not operate at the expense of the self with a self that does not operate at the expense of another and in which each is fully known and faithfully loved. That's the centerpiece of the work that we're doing in the book. Yeah, well, that, that's big because I think we hear the word intimacy. We desire that um, in, in relationship and especially in a marriage relationship. And we, we strive for that very often not recognizing how we are involuntarily breaking down that that intimacy there. So once done, we become uh, start to become aware of those involuntary reactions. How do we begin to make positive change? Um, we stay present. Uh, we see that in the Gospels with Jesus. He was always talking with people, inviting them like blind Bartimaeus. And he asked, what can I do for you? And it was obvious he was blind. And he gave him the opportunity to express choice. And Jesus was wanting to fully know uh, blind Bartimaeus. And to be known is really, really important in a relationship. So what I discovered or was working on all these years was this idea if we could measure both temperament and temperament expression and then provide the individual with a profile of the responsiveness versus reactivity, we can increase awareness and then provide the opportunity for the individual to choose. And this idea of choice is so important in a relationship, and couples oftentimes miss that because they're overreacting rather than normally responding. Hmm. And so, you know, as we think about the practical application of living that out, you know, maybe you've got example, just as you did for the hot stove, you know, we have that involuntary reaction uh, there. So what does that choice look like in the healthy cycle or healthy pattern? Yes. One way is my wife and I practice this actually on a daily basis, not quite to the level that I'm going to share just real quickly, but it's where we know what the core feeling is. Like if I react to my wife, uh, if I know that that's a feeling I'm feeling scared or afraid or intimidated, and my wife is able to validate that, that's a good start. Because a lot of couples will commingle this perception of what's going on when they've not named the emotion. Like, for example, if I say this is a misnomer, um, I just feel like you don't really love me. That's a thought, not a feeling. We want to separate thought from feeling and make sure that we're aware of that. That's why Jesus in the Gospels always asked, what would you like for me to do for you? Or can you help me better understand that? He was inviting, I believe, we'll have to ask him when we get to heaven, but I really believe that he was inviting us to be aware of our feelings. And oftentimes we're clearly not aware of our feelings and separate them from thought. And so in your example of, well, I feel like you don't love me, I mm -hmm. hear you saying we're, we're going deeper with that. It's not that, well, yeah, of course I love you, whatever. Like you're asking, what is the thing that got triggered or what is the thing below the surface that is bringing out that statement? Is that, am I understanding yes. you correctly? That's correct, Steve. And, and oftentimes people in therapy Therapies I'm working with couples, they don't realize, and I talk a lot about this in the book, they don't realize that a feeling is overwhelming them. So now they're in the reactive mode and they're not aware of it. And we want to help them to be 
present, which Jesus was always present with people. And he's present with us through the gift and power of the Holy Spirit, of course. And so we're trying to help people to get back to, we, we call it grounding, but it's like Joshua 1.8, you know, where we meditate on the word day and night, and then we're going to be present with God. He's going he's to be present with us, so we're turning toward him. Oswald Chambers, in his famous uh, devotional, said that prayer is not necessarily getting a particular answer, but getting in the right relationship. So we're trying to help people in the book become present with God and with their mate. Otherwise, they'll commingle. I just feel like you don't love me. And I'm only stating a thought, and now we're going to debate that forever. That's why there's hundreds of books on how to fight fairly. Yeah. Well, Dr. Don Welch uh, with us and has written the book, The Response of Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. And uh, if you're interested in finding out more about that, we'll put the link on our Facebook page. You are listening to Don Steve in the Morning. And Don, so appreciate you taking a few minutes and spending that time with us this morning to, to think about this. She brings the sparkle. He brings the chill. It's Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. So how many of you, I'm looking for a show of hands here. I know it's radio, but you raise your hand anyway and freak out the guy in the car next to you, okay? How many of you have seen the Jesus film? I'm going to imagine uh, just about every hand listening. Well, a good number of hands went uh, up this morning. Uh, Jesus film, one of the most translated, if not the most translated film in history, seen by so many people, and uh, they're bringing a, a big tweak to this thing here. Joining us to talk about that is Josh Newell. He is the executive director of the Jesus Film Project. And Josh, welcome. It's good to have you with us this morning. Steve, it's great to be with you this morning. I you raised know, for, my hand as well. I've seen you, had, you raised your hand? That's good. That's good. Uh, hopefully, I see that you're not driving in a car right now. So <laughs> you, know, you didn't freak out the driver next to you. But for those who are unfamiliar, uh, what is this Jesus film and the Jesus film project. Yeah, there's a lot of Jesus movies that have been made, but this one is, like you said, the most translated movie ever. Um, it's available in 2,131 languages as of today. And we've been on a mission for the last 45 years since it was created to put it into every available language. So that's uh, that's our mission so that no one has to learn a second language to hear Jesus say, I love you. Well, I love that. Um, but that movie was made when? Yeah, 1979 is when it was released in the U.S. and then quickly went overseas. But yeah, it's been around for four and a half decades. All right. So four and a half decades is a long time for a film to be, you know, shown <laughs> all over the world here. And I would imagine, it, you know, by modern day film standards, uh, you, you can look at that and say, okay, uh, maybe we need to do something to adjust that tweak that whatever. I understand you guys are making a really big tweak by taking the Jesus film and actually animating that. Why are you doing that? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Four and a half decades is a long time for a film or for a person. I'm a little over that four and a half decade mark myself. So, but yeah, we're, what we want to do is make uh, the story of Jesus available in every language. And this generation and the next, their language is a visual language. And so what we're doing is we're taking all of the audio, all of those languages of the Jesus film that's currently in, and then giving it a, a refreshed uh, visual look. And we're using the medium of animation to do it. So um, this, like I said, this generation's heart language really is that that visual language and animation is very, very powerful. So that's what we're doing. And God willing, we'll release it in 2025. 
Wow. Okay. So 2025, we don't have that long to wait for, for that to happen. Um, give me an idea of the scope of this project here, because I'm so intrigued by this. To take this movie with all these languages and bring animation to that, how are you doing that with so many different languages? Yeah, it's a it's certainly a labor of love, and it's going to take uh, it's going to take two years to animate the story. And we're working with some of the top animators that um, are in the industry. So we believe that the story of Jesus is worth telling at a at a high level, so that people can access it. So that's on one side of it. But then, like you said, matching it with all the audio is is another uh, intense effort. But we're we're expecting to launch with around 100 languages that will be ready immediately. And then shortly afterwards, it'll be available in all 2,100 plus at the time. And it will be t- immediately tied for the sec- for the for the most translated movie with the Jesus film once it's released. Wow, uh, pretty incredible. So if four and a half decades, the Jesus film has been out and you think about the number of lives that you know have been impacted or touched by this, any idea how many people have seen the Jesus film? Well, I yeah, I think only God really knows, but we estimate it's well over 10 billion over the course of 10 or four and a half decades. And that's really because missionary groups, churches everywhere from every denomination and tradition have taken it for themselves and used it in their church extension efforts or evangelism efforts, the broadcast and digital uh, distribution as well has contributed to that. But it's probably the most watched in addition to the most translated feature film in history. Yeah. That you've never and, heard of, maybe. <laughs> right. And I would imagine some of the listeners are very familiar. Maybe you've seen it and you even have uh, it, images that come to mind as you think about that. If you've not, it is uh, certainly a movie that or a film worth checking out. But uh, Josh, are, are the plans basically the same with the animated version as they have been for the Jesus film over these past four and a half decades? In, in some ways, yes, and in in other significant ways, no. So it, the ways that it's the same is we're going to freely give it away, and it'll be available for anybody to use uh, to share the story of Jesus wherever you are, and no matter what language you speak or the people that uh, you're trying to share with. But what makes it really amazing, I think, the, the medium of animation is it allows us to go into some of the emerging digital spaces like uh, virtual reality or augmented reality Think of the metaverse. These are emerging places where ministry is taking place, taking place, and people want to share about Jesus in these places. So, they'll we're we're going to give digital missionaries a chance to uh, easily lift up Jesus in their context. Wow. Well, I want to find out a little bit more how you're planning on doing that coming up in just a few moments, talking with uh, Josh Newell, executive director of the Jesus Film Project. Maybe you've got a question or comment this morning. Certainly feel free to uh, text that in 800-555-7898. That is 800-555-7898. You're listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. And we're glad you're with us this morning as we're talking about the Jesus Film. Now, Josh Newell, he is the executive director of the Jesus Film Project. And Josh, just a few moments ago, you kind of announcing to our audience that there's a big change that is coming. Uh, no, we're not doing away with the old one, just adding a new animated version of the Jesus Film. And you said one of the cool things about that is it's going to be able to be used and shared on kind of new platforms with the goal of reaching billions of people with the gospel of Jesus. 
How does using this animated version do that? I mean, it's it going to be used in the metaverse, I thought I heard you say? Yeah, that's that's the hope, and that's a, that's what we're planning for. So in addition to releasing in theaters where people will have a chance to kind of have the normal uh, cinema experience, looking forward to that. But also, shortly afterwards, we're releasing it into the, into the metaverse where uh, different platforms that are currently, uh, you know, opportunities for digital ministry. I you know every week i hear of a church that started in a in a game like minecraft and the way that we are designing this movie even right now our animation team is designing it with the unreal gaming platform and what that allows us to do is immediately take this movie and take the sets and put it and drop it if you will into game environments think about fortnite if you if, uh, if you or your kids play that game or or other things like that. So you could actually walk around where Jesus walked and wow. experience the things as Jesus is, is speaking. You can also be literally a part of, of the show. Wow. That, that's mind-blowing to see where technology is headed and uh, how you know we're able to adapt it and move into that. Love the fact that uh, you're you're doing that. But as you mentioned... The film's not out till 2025, but uh, for those who are like, man, I'm so intrigued by this. I want to know more about this. I want to support this in some way. I want to be a part of what's going on here. Uh, what can we be doing now? Yeah, we we really do want to get people interested and excited about the movie before it comes out. And, and of course, learning about all the digital experiences, um, because the story of Jesus is uh, you know, we're not going to wait till 2025 to to share it. It's it's worth sharing right now, obviously. So, if you can go to Jesus Film, and you can download what we have as a Jesus Film Insider app, and allows you to kind of like get some of the behind the scenes uh, information about how we're making the movie, some of the cool God stories that are happening even now as we're producing it, and uh, and you can find out more information about, like you said, how to support it, how to pray for it, and how to how to be a part of it. Well, do you have one God story that kind of pops into mind right now? I mean, could you share just one of those with us? Oh, uh, yeah. Recent, what, I, what I love about my role is uh, in serving as Jesus Films Executive Director is that a lot of people just come up to me randomly and say, hey, I watched the movie or here I, I shared Jesus with somebody. And some of our friends recently told us about it. Um, their Anglican. They w- went on a mission trip to Madagascar with their Anglican uh Parish, and they did a Jesus film showing out in a village. And as you, you can kind of picture, um, you know, a, a very dark uh, uh, evening without because there's no lights, there's no electricity yeah. in this village, and there's a generator showing the, the movie, and the only light for miles around is is this showing. And thousands of people came to watch it. And at the very end, we usually give an uh, an opportunity for people to receive Jesus. And one little boy came up very, um, very quietly, and he d- couldn't. They, the missionaries actually couldn't, or my friends actually couldn't speak the language. But they they began praying for him. They noticed that his hand was deformed, mm-hmm. and so they just started praying for his hand. And and uh, my friend Bruce took his took this little boy's hand in his hand, began praying, and um, started started to see his hand relax. This little boy's hand relaxed in front of him and started to to form into a normal hand, and everybody is is kind of shocked. 
including the little boy, so much so that he just ran away after his hand had been healed at this Jesus film showing. And we hear stories like that all the time where people are encountering Jesus. They're not encountering a movie. They're encountering the person of Jesus in this incarnational moment. And really, that's what it's all about, whether it's in the metaverse or whether it's in a, um, a village in Madagascar or in your living room, where, wherever you are, Jesus wants to create a breakthrough. Hmm. Love that. If you want to find out more about the uh, animated story of Jesus and more about the Jesus film, I encourage you to go check out the website, jesus.film, and a lot of great information there. Again, that is jesus.film. And Josh, so uh, appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day, joining us and making us aware of what is going on and how we can uh, both be praying for and supporting you guys. So thank you for joining us this morning. 